This podcast is part of Podcast One Sportsnet. Wow. What a podcast. Are you kidding me? We got to learn something else new about Steve Fezzik. How many dozens upon dozens, if not hundreds of hours at this point, we've had Fez on the podcast, and yet today we find out that Fezzik was part of tearing down the goalpost at Northwestern when they ended their losing streak, and he went ahead. He's part of 80, 90 guys there, and they went ahead and threw the goalpost in Lake Michigan. Unbelievable podcast. Guys, before we wrap this up here, let's talk some Bet DSI here. If you're looking for a place to bet March Madness and enter a $1 million, $1 million bracket contest with guaranteed prizes, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to BetDSI.com to get all of your March Madness action in just one spot. Use BetDSI's live betting platform where you can watch all the madness via streaming and even bet all the madness games throughout the entire game until the final whistle. If you're looking to add some excitement to the tournament games, make BetDSI.com your tournament betting partner. And here's what you guys can do. You can get one free million-dollar contest entry just for signing up. Here's what you got to do. Use the promo code RJ, as in RJ Bell, RJ Madness, that promo code again, RJ Madness. Why should you be using BetDSI? Guys, look, if we can give you one piece of advice as far as how you guys can win more at this thing we call sports gambling, it's having an extra out. And if you already have a couple of outs, why not get another out for you? Shop around, get those extra lines. BetDSI has been paying winners for 20 years. It's top rated on betting review sites. You can use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash this week, particularly conference tournaments going on. Next week, of course, the NCAA tournament has a user-friendly interface, BetDSI, and a mobile site. BetDSI, fastest payouts in the industry. Simply play, win, and get paid. Betting options, everything, whether March Madness, NFL, NBA, NHL, UFC, all the other major sports. I mean, even if you do some politics, reality TV, virtually everything. You can try live betting at BetDSI where you can bet on games from start to finish every play and every minute. New members get, again, a 100% bonus match using the promo code RJMADNESS. Again, promo code RJMADNESS. That's more than double your money to start winning today. Guys, once again, go to BetDSI.com, use that promo code RJMADNESS, and get this limited time 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash betting the madness this March and you can get that one free million-dollar contest entry for just signing up. Plus, 100% bonus extra betting money on your first deposit up to $1,000. It's only a game until you bet it at BetDSI. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right, you heard it. Brad Power sitting in for R.J. Bell. This is the conference tournament edition of the Dream Preview. As always, I got Steve Fezzik sitting to my right. And a new guy... Fresh from the East Coast, from New Jersey, we've been kind of hitting at this guy, the Hitman. Not Bret Hart, but the Hitman who's been, 
I would say, is this right, Fez? Has played in a really big part of some of your player props when it comes to NFL betting? He's been a valuable resource. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And you guys probably know him throughout the, the forums. We'll get a little bio from the hitman here before we get into it. But, of course, during the show, we'll talk, obviously, NFL free agency, Odell Beckham trade, NFC, AFC North odds, Antonio Brown to the Raiders, Le'Veon Bell, little Kyler Murray update. We'll talk some NBA, specifically the Golden State and their struggles. AAF update, weekly update, check-in from Fez. How about a little college football update? Some season win totals have hit the market. And, of course, since it is conference tournament week, we'll hit you with a couple of key points on how to have a winning conference tournament betting week and a best bet from the one and only Dave Esler. Showtime! Woo! All right, before we get into some NFL free agency... Like I said, we have a new guest here, and again, this is Brad Powers filling in for RJ. Who's, what, what should we say? A little sickness? Late sickness came above RJ. Uh, before we get talk Hitman, i got to talk this, though. This upcoming week, next week, it's a, big, it's a little thing called the NCAA tournament. And we got a special podcast coming your guys' way. The Dream Preview will officially be at the Hard Rock. First ever live tapings. Of the dream preview. Yours truly, Brad Powers will be there. RJ Bell will be there. Fez, you're going to make it in for it. Uh, AJ Hoffman's flying in from Houston. He's my co host on the College Basketball Dream podcast. Steve Cofield of Straight Out of Vegas, daily uh, talk show here when it comes to, to, to Vegas. He'll be there at the Hard Rock. Again, live tapings of the dream preview Thursday and Friday, 10 o'clock p.m. Pacific. So on Thursday, We'll recap the, all the Thursday games and preview the Friday and Saturday games. Friday, recap the Friday action, preview the weekend. And again, you guys can get tickets. Uh, just go to RJ in Vegas on Twitter. His last tweet. So go to RJ in Vegas on Twitter. That'll have all your ticket information. And keep in mind, guys, VIP members that, that go to the Hard Rock to listen to one of the live tapings of the Dream Preview, there's going to be a portable mic passed around in the VIP area, and we can get to any of your questions you might ask. So as many questions you guys have, we'll try to get as many as possible there. And uh, keep in mind, we will be recording this podcast, but we're going to take out a lot of it. So the only way to get all the info as far as the NCAA tournament goes and the live taping of the Dream Previews is to actually go to the event. That's right, live tapings of the Dream Preview at the Hard Rock Thursday and Friday, the week of the NCAA tournament first round, 10 p.m. Pacific. Uh, start times for those. Go to RJ in Vegas on Twitter for more ticket info. And most of you guys are going to, I got to think that most of you guys that are listening are going to be flying in. It's one of the most popular weeks of the year. So be uh, anxious to see you guys there. All right. I mentioned it. We got a new guy in the house here. And look, timing's everything. Good to have you here, especially with RJ out for the first time ever on the Dream Podcast. The Hitman. Is that safe? Are you comfortable with that? I'm comfortable with that name. All right. So we got the Mayor Mackey. We got Sleepy. And now we got the Hitman. The Hitman takes out the bookies. I love it. So, you know, the couple things. I've already mentioned it. You're big on player specifics. Good podcast to have you with all the NFL free agency going on. Again, we already mentioned you played a good part in Fed's player props, pregame forums. But, you know, we talked all football season. In the uh, as far as the super contest goes, 
You were also in the Super Contest this past season. How'd you do in that one? I actually did pretty well early in the year, about week seven. I was in first place, you know, nice spot to be in. Then week, we get to week 12. I'm in like ninth place, you know, feeling good about myself. Then we get to week 17. I go four and one in week 17 and I land a hundred in first place. So Fez, how many spots get paid out again in the super contest? Exactly 100. No more. Still 101st out of 3,000 plus. Not too shabby when it comes to the super contest. Although super contest gold, you guys, what, we're in what top five until the final week, right? Oh, absolutely. And we ultimately went contrarian the final week, and I think we still finished in the top 10. We basically had to play opposite of what the leaders were playing in an attempt because it was winner take all to get the uh, to get the gold, if you will. Fair enough. And one more housekeeping note here, guys, uh, for listening to the Dream Preview. Next week, we are going to tape on Monday, and that Dream Preview is going to be quite simply we're going to take a look at all 32 matchups when it comes to the NCAA tournament. That'll get released on Tuesday. Tape Monday released Tuesday. You'll be all set as far as the NCAA tournament goes. Let's get into some NFL free agency because this is the talk of the, I would say, the entire sports betting world, if not the world. I mean, if you looked at trending on Twitter last night when this was announced, and again, we're taping here on Wednesday night for this, Odell Beckham, a massive trade. One of the biggest trades we've seen in the NFL probably as far as moving the needle in the last several years. Odell Beckham shockingly gets traded to the Cleveland Browns. And woo doggy, did the people start betting the Cleveland Browns left and right when it comes to future odds. So the Browns, who started off as far as Super Bowl 54 odds, start off 30-1, to 1, which landed them right in the middle of the pack as an average NFL team. Now the Cleveland, not Clowns, Browns, 14-1 to 1 now after the Odell Beckham trade, and now Cleveland, the fifth shortest odds to win the Super Bowl. Odell and Cleveland, Fez, I want to hear your take on this one. What do you make of that blockbuster trade? Well, I think it's a good trade for Cleveland. It's certainly we're going to upgrade Cleveland, but irrational exuberance is going on right now with the Browns. This is a team that's won eight games the past three years, and all of a sudden they're the number five team in the NFL. No, I'm not buying it. I did upgrade Cleveland. And, in fact, I've got the Cleveland Browns two and a half points better than an average NFL team. That puts them right with Dallas, Seattle, Minnesota, all teams that are borderline top ten in the NFL, but certainly not ready to be playing in the Super Bowl yet. And because of that, I tell you what, Brad, I think the Browns probably should win nine games this year. I'm thinking, based upon the fact that they're the fifth uh, pick to win the Super Bowl, we're more likely to see a number like nine and a half. And is it possible? Maybe even a 10. We can play Cleveland under 10 and fade all of this irrational exuberance. I think you're more likely to see that at the end of the summer as the public gets more and more involved when it comes to future odds. I'm not going to disagree with you. Look, I mean, it's clearly an upgrade for the Browns. And I don't think anyone's going to argue that at least on paper at the skill positions, the Browns are rolling out, particularly a running back, tight end, wide receiver, just about as good as anybody in the NFL. I have two major questions, and I'm going to get to the hitman, who is specific when it comes to player in-depth analysis and how OBJ fits in with the Browns. 
My two major concerns are, number one, I got an inexperienced head coach. In fact, not only inexperienced head coach, a guy in Freddie Kitchens, who's the new coach of the Browns, <laughs> forget being a prior head coaching experience, really, until last year, never been a coordinator before until the end of the season. Now, all the analytics geeks out there, and, you know, look, analytics definitely play a role in our industry, but they love Freddie Kitchens as far as what he was dialing up at the end of last season. But a big difference between being a, you know, and incoming offensive coordinator with you know with everything on the table and not much to lose than being a head coach now dealing with multiple personalities one being Baker Mayfield one being Odell Beckham and now some expectations for the Browns first time the Browns have had expectations like this I mean you probably have to go all the way back to the early 90s when Bernie Kosar was still quarterbacking them uh, so that, that's a major question there and we're going to have maybe a crossfire here between you guys about question and Baker Mayfield. One guy likes Baker, one guy doesn't. Let me ask you this, uh, Hitman. How does, you know, schematically, is this a really good fit for uh, Odell Beckham at the Browns? I love the fit schematically for him. So the Browns brought along Todd Monken, who's the offensive cord, who was last year the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, has an air raid, very aggressive style that fits Baker Mayfield very well. Odell Beckham averaged 94 receiving yards per game when he was playing with Eli Manning, who I believe all of us believe is a bottom five quarterback in the NFL. Now you're going to Baker Mayfield, who I believe is about the 16th best quarterback in the NFL. I know I'm going to get some disagreement from my friend on the podcast, Steve Fezzik. But um, you won't be friends on that topic. <laughs> That's the green button, Brad. And you know what that means. Whenever someone, even if he's the new guy, says something that someone else disagrees with, you can always chime in with the green button and a bet can be made. You know, I'm looking for the crossfire music. I think that's on RJ's iPod. Again, RJ's out. I think he's keeping the crossfire music's on his iPod. So we'll have to go. No music behind this, but just stack ranking. Uh, where do you have Baker Mayfield as I, far as your power rating? I have Baker Mayfield, my number 24 quarterback. And so, you're saying that that's far way too low. A rookie quarterback that had a good year, only one season of data, you're saying 24 is way too low. So I'm saying that there is 17 quarterbacks at best that I would put ahead of Baker Mayfield going the next season. So 18 is where you put him. I'd put him in the discussion from the tier 15 to 18. So I am willing to bet that, and you can pick, pick the matrix, Mr. Hitman. You can pick quarterback rating or QBR that uh, at the end of the year, Baker Mayfield will not be one of the top 18 quarterbacks. So, I mean, even if you have, let's say, average 16, 17, 18, because I'm going to do a little bit trying to understand the Cleveland Browns current Super Bowl odds. So even at best, an average quarterback, maybe slightly below uh, average Fez thinks, you know, maybe bottom quartile, the best of the bottom quartile quarterbacks. I think we can all agree when it comes to Freddie Kitchens, who people love calling plays, but as far as head coaching, we don't know. Major question marks. I think a lot of people can safely say, hey, bottom 10 coach right now in the NFL. So an average quarterback and a bottom 10 coach, that equates to the fifth shortest Super Bowl odds. Looks like a little overpricing right now. And, and here's the thing. It's not going to stop. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. 14 to 1 isn't going to be your closing number. It's probably more likely to be less than that, Fez, right? Yeah, and Super Bowl, 
What do you mean Super Bowl? Let's talk division. To win the Super Bowl, you usually, not always, have to win the division if you're not going to get their wild card route. And I'll make the case that it is the Pittsburgh Steelers that are the value play in the division. Current odds to win the division, amazingly, Brad Powers, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, the Cleveland Browns are the favorite at plus 125. Pittsburgh at plus 250, Baltimore plus 275, and the Bengals, well, you can pretty much make up any number you want with the Bengals, right, 10 to 1 or so. Um, But uh, I would think that Pittsburgh plus 250 offers really good value. And when was the last time we said this? Major coaching advantage for the Pittsburgh Steelers over the Cleveland Browns. Oh, well, we said that a lot, Fez. You want to talk about green buttons. When has Mike Tomlin not been better than a, a Cleveland head coach? Better than Hugh Jackson. Uh, you know, that's a great point, yes. <laughs> but but never when we're discussing actually like having to um, a team that it was in question who was going to have the better season. Fair enough. And again, Fez quoted those odds uh, right. And again, a couple books came out after the uh, Odell Beckham trade went down. The Browns, the team that hasn't won a division since 1989 right now. And I'll say this, probably deservedly so. The Browns are, are favored to win the division. I understand it. RJ, you can follow RJ on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Put out some season win totals, and he put out the Browns as having what nine wins, nine wins for the Browns and the rest of the division. Uh, Pittsburgh eight and a half, Baltimore eight and a half, and of course my Cincinnati Bengals in the cellar six wins. Give me under eight and a half on the Ravens. That's a little high, Fez. You want you want action on that? I think eight and a half is the right number. So if you want to pay VIG against the number and lay, Ooh, and lay no, no, minus no, 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 VIG. That, when has there been VIG? I have no Other opinion. Than, That's my number, eight and a half. Why should I have to play something right. that's my opinion? Let me I, think. I wouldn't trust Lamar Jackson going in the next season. And right now, the Baltimore Ravens' number one receiver is Willie Sneed. And there's reports that a lot of free agent receivers don't want to go to the Ravens because they know that their stats are going to suffer a lot with Jackson, a quarterback. Yeah, second go-around, we already saw that didn't go so well the first time we saw a second go-around against Lamar Jackson with the Chargers beating him. All right, I'll lay 110. And you got Evie? We got a bet. Love it. Action. Got to love some action. Get this all documented, Mayor. Yeah, get that down. Season win total. Under the right side, under 8.5 on the Ravens. So if we like the Ravens under 8.5 and, and we are looking to play the Browns under and we think the whoa, Bengals whoa, whoa, are whoa, garbage. Whoa, whoa. Hold on on the Browns. Let me say this. I'm not looking to play nine because I think we're going to get a better number than nine. Exactly I'm not right. going to bet you that. So for all you listening out there, nine is the number we think it should be. But our expectation, I wouldn't be stunned to see nine and a half. And in fact, I wouldn't. I think there's at least a 10% chance you'll get a rogue number at a very square book at the end of summer when the public comes in and starts buying and buying all the Browns talk. I think you'll be able to find a 10 out there. Do you disagree, Fess? I don't disagree at all. But the point I was just making that is if we're bearish on Cleveland and we're bearish on Baltimore and everyone is correctly bearish on the Bengals, the only team that's left to look to back to win the division is indeed the Pittsburgh Steelers plus the 250. And, And talking Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously one of the other major free agency moves that we've seen involved a couple of Steeler players, former Steeler players, uh, and again, uh, Pittsburgh now the second favorite as far as the AFC North. Antonio Brown goes to the Raiders. Oakland Raiders going to be the Las Vegas Raiders. That trade went down a couple days ago. 
And from what we've seen from the odds as far as the Raiders go, uh, the market's also – and look, I, definite upgrade for the Raiders. And you got a strong take as far as the locker room goes, Fez. Uh, we've seen the Raiders as far as the future odds go from like 100 to 1 to 60 to 1 for the Raiders. Let me ask you first this. Where would the Raiders stack rank in your power ratings right now? I actually have Oakland only number 29 right now. So only three teams worse than Oakland, the Bengals, Miami, and Arizona. And, you know, specifically Antonio Brown, we think, still clearly top two, top three wide receiver, even at his advanced age, going to be 31 in July. Last year he had a career low in yards per catch, but I would still put him at least in the top five Mm. for sure. All right, wrapping up this OBJ trade again, Cleveland Browns getting Odell Beckham. Odds for the Browns, unbelievable if you consider where the Browns were just a couple years ago going 0-16. Now the Browns, the favorite in the AFC North and the fifth shortest odds to win the Super Bowl. They're third in the AFC, only behind teams like the Patriots and the Chiefs. Heck, they're ahead of the Colts. They're ahead of teams like the Chargers. Unbelievable there. Uh, the other side of it, and we kind of briefly mentioned this, we think there's value on the Steelers. The Steelers traditionally, especially under Tom, uh, Mike Tomlin, have been good in the underdog role. Do we think maybe there's a chip on their shoulder, and we'll get to it here with Le'Veon Bell being out, Antonio Brown moving away? Maybe this is one final go around where you know Big Ben can do the, the you know the, the middle fingers at the rest of the world. Say I, I didn't need these types of guys. I've had a productive career way before Bell and, and Brown came to the Steel City. Do, do we like Pittsburgh in the underdog role coming into the season? Oh, I think so. And let's remember, last year they absolutely lost a few games that they never should have lost. Last year they were obviously without Bell. They still went nine six and one. They could easily have been an 11-5 team just last year, and then all of a sudden we wouldn't be having these odds that where they are now with Cleveland being favored over Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, just one more win. I mean, well, let's say that that first game that the Browns, you had the weather game. You remember this quite Pitt, well. Pittsburgh up 21-7 to at 21 the end of the game. 21-7. I think they outgained them by like 200-plus yards. The turnovers were, what, minus five for the Steelers. If they just win that game, go 10-6, and six, and enter the playoffs, I don't think their season win total is sitting at 8.5. I think it's 9 at the, at the very least. So maybe some value moving forward in the Steelers. Speaking of the Steelers, former wide receiver Antonio Brown, he ends up going to the Raiders, signs one of the largest contracts we've seen for a wide receiver, him and Odell Beckham, who just, again, got traded to the Browns. So Antonio Brown goes from Pittsburgh to... Oakland, and we've seen another major odd shifts when it comes to the Oakland Raiders. The Raiders were 100 to 1, bottom 5 6 team in the NFL. And now the Oakland Raiders, who are also going to be a very public team, already are with the move to, to Las Vegas just a year away. Raiders now 60 to 1. Before I get into any trade talks, and I'll get to the hitman here as far as how he thinks uh, Antonio Brown integrates here. Where are the Raiders at right now in your power ratings? Raiders are still close to the bottom, believe it or not. I have them my 29th rated NFL team. They're ahead of Cincinnati, Miami, and Arizona. Nobody else, Brad. Who's, who are they right behind? They are right behind uh, the Giants and the Detroit line. Actually, Detroit is um, above the Giants, and the Giants are above Oakland. Mm. I might take – I'd take maybe the – what would you say? I'd take the Raiders. I'd pick them against the Giants right now, wouldn't you? I would go with the Raiders in that situation. I think the Raiders have a better quarterback without a doubt. And as far as a roster around them, 
probably have to go with the Raiders. They definitely have the better weapons amongst the two teams. I think you're you're when you're making this discussion though, it's much more you're bullish uh, or bearish on the Giants than you're bullish on the Raiders, right? I've been way down on Eli Manning the past few years. He couldn't produce with Odell Beckham, who is a top five receiver in the league. How is he going to produce now with Sterling Shepard, who's best for the slot being his number one receiver? You know, I'm going to call an audible here. I, I agree with you. I think that as bad, as low as I have Oakland rate, I got the Giants right there. And I really think the Giants should actually be one slot below Oakland. Fair enough. Now, let, let's talk Antonio Brown. Obviously a po- polarizing figure the last year. One of the, I mean, I think safely say one of the top 10 wide receivers in the history of the NFL at this point. From what he's done the last six, seven years. I mean, historic run. But now turning 31 years old this upcoming July. I'll ask you the hitman. How does he first integrate into the Oakland offensive system? And do you still consider Antonio Brown to be top two, top three wide receiver in the league? I think that he's definitely going to get a reality check as far as going from Ben Roethlisberger to Derek Carr. It's a significant downgrade. Derek Carr's yards per attempt typically in most years has been a lot lower than Ben Roethlisberger. And as far as where I would rank Antonio Brown, I would say that he's on the borderline of still being a top five receiver. Last year, he led the league in touchdown catches despite missing that infamous Week 17 game against the Bengals, still had 1,300 yards all time. He's the third leading receiver in receiving yards per game. And I still think he has a good amount left in the tank. Fez, you disagree. You don't have him in your top five right now. I don't. I have him as a borderline top 10 guy. Last year, he was, I believe, just barely cracked the top 10 in terms of yards, and the other metrics were comparable as well. And frankly, he was the oldest guy on the top 10 list. So he was the only guy that's going to be turning 31 here in July. All these other guys are 30 years of age or less. So you could make the case he barely snuck into the top 10 last year. He did have a whole lot of touchdowns, which is an excellent point. But he also had Big Ben throwing to him. And now he's a year older. Now he's going and having to work with a brand-new quarterback. And frankly, compared to guys that – who would I rather have? I'd rather have Hopkins. I'd rather have Evans. I certainly would rather have Tyreek Hill, Thomas – and Julio Jones, right off the bat, there's five. I'm going to disagree with you on Evans. Really? So Evans does not separate nearly as much as Antonio Brown. He wins in the contested catch game, but Brown could do that as well. And Evans is supposed to be a great red zone threat. Well, the 5'11", Antonio Brown, led the NFL in touchdowns last year. What do we think motivation-wise? He's getting his money, although from some reports, a lot of this, these contracts are going to be backloaded because no state income tax once the Raiders move to Las Vegas and the state of Nevada. Do we think he's motivated, at least for, for this year? Well, all reports are that he's an extremely hardworking guy, first guy there for meetings and the like, so I don't think motivation's going to mm, be a problem. So if motivation isn't a problem, I think he's clearly a top-five wide receiver, one thing at least I'll for add, this year. One thing I'll add about Antonio Brown is he is motivated to get his stats. If he's not getting his stats, he's not happy. Who else is going to get stats on the Raiders? A 35-year-old broken-down Jordy Nelson? Well, they did just add Tyrell Williams today, but he's not exactly what you'd call a volume receiver. He's more of a take-the-top-off-of-the-defense low volume big play receiver so brown is going to get fed targets it's just a matter of car could actually get him the ball now i had the theory and this is something we mentioned on straight out of vegas again you guys if you're not catching straight out of vegas check it out it's monday through friday 6 to 7 p.m eastern 3 to 4 pacific 
Uh, you can check it out in any of the podcast players. The, the podcast gets up there if you don't want to listen to the commercials. About 40 to 45-minute listen if you're listening on the podcast. I mentioned last year it looked like the Raiders were selling. Dump uh, Amari Cooper. Dump Khalil Mack. I still think they're selling this year, but now they're looking to sell tickets. And, and not only you know future tickets here in, in Las Vegas, hey, we're buying, we're, we got a star wide receiver, but also kind of bridging that gap one final year in Oakland, which could have gotten, let's be honest, and it still could, but, but it could have been a very toxic atmosphere here in the final season. Now bringing in a player like Antonio Brown, do we think that at least improves the, the locker room, at least temporarily, at least in the offseason, Fez? Oh, I think very much so, because here was a team that absolutely was jettisoning all their big contracts and it's sending a message to all their players, hey, if you become a superstar, you're going to be playing for somebody else when your contract is up. And the fact that they were willing to go ahead and sign A.B. is sending a message to the players, hey, under the new regime, we're, gonna, we're not just looking to be sellers. We are looking to throw the switch and even if it's to sell tickets, like you said, they're spending money. Do we fully expect the Raiders to be another one of those public teams that we look to sell at the end of summer? They're already a public <laughs> team. They were a public team, remember, back when they won 12 games, and people couldn't get enough of it, even though they're like Pythagorean theorem said they should only won nine games that year, and they really shouldn't even have made the playoffs. And their season, their season win the next year was at 10 in some spots. And, of course, they had a nightmare season after that 12-4. and four. But um, Oakland hadn't had a, a good year in a decade. One good year was all it took for um, everyone to be looking to back them with both fists. And that was before they located to Vegas. We saw what happened with the Vegas Golden Knights when they came to Vegas, the inflation in the lines on a hockey team. Imagine what it will be like with a football team. Antonio, not the only Brown that's heading west. Trent Brown, offensive lineman of the Patriots last year, he also goes to the Raiders and becomes one of the highest paid offensive linemen in the history of the NFL. Dave Esler has got some strong thoughts on this one. Dave, of course, being a longtime Patriots fan, let's give a listen. I heard you guys discussing the Patriots, and i got to chime in here. If they'd have given Trent Brown the same contract the Raiders did, he'd be the second highest played player on the team. Don't forget... He was a seventh-round pick by the 49ers, and obviously they didn't think enough of him, basically trading him to New England for a fifth for a third-round draft pick. Don't forget, New England let Nate Soldier walk to solve the Giants' O-line issues the year prior. Giants' sacks allowed per game last year was actually far worse. Don't forget, New England drafted Isaiah Wynn in the first round last year to replace Soldier. Wynn didn't play a snap last year. He was on IR. So not only is this a business decision, it's a loft decision. Lack of freaking talent. Brown wasn't even a left tackle before coming to New England. It's the system. Don't forget it was the system with Lawyer Malloy back in 2001. It was the system with Wes Welker in 2012. When Isaiah Wynn makes the Pro Bowl and Trent Brown is an afterthought, it'll still be the system and Dante Skanekia, the best O-line coach in the NFL. In New England, the back of the dollar says, in Bill we trust. And outside of the six-state New England region, this is a total non-event. All right, that's from Dave. And I got to agree with him. Uh, I think you're an underdog when it comes to the fact, you know, the, the Patriots, if they thought he was worth it, Trent Brown, then Belichick would have made sure that he's still a, a New England Patriot. Anytime we've seen a guy leave the Patriots, 
more often than not, not always, but definitely more often than not, we've seen that player really digress. Nate Solder last year, a guy that left the Patriots. Malcolm Butler left the Patriots. I mean, Belichick was killed for not playing him in the Super Bowl. And then we also look at Dan- Danny Amendola caught, what, one touchdown pass? Still waiting last for year? a Miami Dolphin Amendola signing. And uh, no, he's not going to be signed. He's with the Lions now, exactly. right? Hitman? He's the so, new Golden Tate replacement in the uh, slot for them. So again, I agree. If Belichick isn't interested, mm, I, I'm not sure I want to be interested in, in that one. So, so again, some strong thoughts from Esler and Trent Brown. You know, the book on him was always you know tremendous physical specimen and conditioning an issue and. When are you going to be on your best behavior and stay in shape? Well, probably when you're playing with the New England Patriots in um, Boston as opposed to going to a less buttoned-up organization when all of a sudden that conditioning might suffer, especially with a big coaching downgrade. Now, Hitman, you're good as far as player specifics and really diving in when it comes to deep dives of the NFL. From everything I've read... New England, Dante Scarnecchia, he's the the offensive line coach that they asked to bring back out of retirement and is considered not only one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL, but we're talking one of the best in the history of the NFL at that position. Now, on the other side in Oakland, Tom Cable, big name, uh, at least from the analytics guys, uh, is considered pr- at least the, the version of himself now in 2019 – to be one of the worst offensive line coaches. Do you agree with that? Yeah, so look at how Tom Cable's offensive lines performed in Seattle. I'll give, it, I'll give it to you that they did not have much talent on their offensive line, but they get rid of them this past year. What does Seattle do? All of a sudden, they become the number one rushing team in the entire NFL. All we're talking about is how much their offensive line has improved. The Raiders, before last season, are considered one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Tom Cable gets there. Now it's a weakness of the team. So I would definitely agree that it's a huge coaching downgrade for Trent Brown, who's a player that needs to work on his technique. He's always had the physical skills, as Fez said, but getting that technique down has been what's been a problem for him throughout his career. Mm. Sounds like some more selling going on when it comes to the Raiders. So we're selling the Browns. We're selling the Raiders after the big trade. And it's important that we say we're selling versus expectations. Yes. We're not saying that the Browns didn't get better. We're oh, not no saying that Oakland didn't get better. It's just a matter of quantifying how much better we think they're going to be versus what the marketplace is going to do. And speaking of that upgrade, uh, upgrade for the Raiders when it comes to Antonio, about a half point? Or maybe is it a point because of the locker room and another and – Key offensive lineman. Well, yeah, because they picked up um, both Browns, if you will, I went ahead and upgraded them by a full point. And I also, because a better locker room, um, the, the mere fact they're willing to pay all this money. Yes. What was the adjustment for uh, Beckham? For Beckham, I went ahead and adjusted half a point. But that, too, I think it's going to create a better locker room situation. The mere fact Cleveland is really saying, we're going for it. We think that we can finally make the playoffs. And think about this. You've been losers for the entire time that you've been with an organization. What happens when you're a loser? Well, all of a sudden, you can cut some corners and practice. And if you're 3-8 and eight or 0-8, oh as Cleveland's used to being, you don't put your best foot forward. Now, clearly, they know. They could, well, make the playoffs and be a contender. So because of that, we have to upgrade Cleveland's mojo. That's Steve Fezzik. I'm Brad Powers filling in for R.J. Bell, the hitman 
from New Jersey. Get used to him. He'll be with us this upcoming football season. Transitioning over from one former Steeler to another former Steeler, Le'Veon Bell, where it comes out, uh, he's going to be a New York Jet. Nice little contract for Bell, too. Four years, $52.5 million with about 35 guaranteed. Bell goes from the Jets, who were considered right along with the Raiders, a bottom 5-6 team in the NFL. 100-1 to was their future odds. Now, with not only Le'Veon Bell, but C.J. Mosley, a really good starting linebacker that they signed via free agency, the Jets now 60-1 to as far as future odds go. And now the Jets, instead of being a bottom 5 team, if you stack rank the future odds right around number 21 or so, first, Fez, as far as where the Jets uh, stack up in your ratings right now. Yeah, I don't bring them up to 21. I'm only going to bring them up to 25. I've got them just below the Buffalo Bills. And all this talk about, oh, possible Super Bowl and playoffs for the Jets, it's a nice addition with Bell. The Jets should get a little bit better. They should win six or seven games. But bottom line is, come December, you know what Jets stands for, don't you, Brad? Just end the season. <laughs> J-E-T-S. All right, but the, the season hasn't started yet. So what the, – let's talk, and I'll talk integration. I mean, you got a young quarterback, Sam Darnold, that at least – I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm the guy with the, all the college knowledge, although I did pretty well in the NFL last year. Uh, the word, Very well. Yeah, the, the word on the street as far as the Jets were, hey, Sam Darnold was put in a bad spot, didn't have a lot of talent surrounding him, particularly at the skill position – what you know? You're good at this, the, the the hit man. You know how do you evaluate Bell going to the Jets? Is that a really good fit for them? So I actually only upgraded the Jets by a half point. Now listen, Le'Veon Bell is a top five, six or so running back in the NFL, but there's some rumors. even after a year off. That's what I'm going to get to. So before that, he was in the discussion as the best running back in the NFL. Now you have him a year off. There was reports that he was gaining weight and partying in Miami. He's focused on his rap album, supposedly. So despite the fact that Le'Veon Bell is number one all time in most yards from scrimmage per game, a minimum of 50 games, you know who's number two? I don't know. The great one, Jim Brown. I thought Hmm. the great one was The Rock. You you could say that also, right. or the Hitman Heart. Mm, nicely done. He was yeah he was you know the best there ever what is was never will be excellence and execution. Mm. Mm. Good wrestling. I like that. We're gonna we're gonna get along well, Hitman. All right, you're from that area of the country, from New Jersey, forty five minutes from the stadium. All right, I want to know the dynamic right now that's going on right as far as the Jets and the Giants. As far as the fan bases, because, I mean, obviously the Giants have had a much more success traditionally than the Jets. What's going on? And what's the vibe in that city about uh, both of these organizations? So in New Jersey, the younger generation of fans tends to be Jet fans. They go to the games and they have a, a few adult beverages at them, get pretty loud. And they are very optimistic on the Jets right now. They're super optimistic on Sam Darnold, all the additions they've made. The Giant fans tend to be the older group of people. And they are split amongst them on if they think Eli Manning should still be the quarterback. Split? But if they had a sense of reality, it should be about 99 to 1 in favor of Eli no longer being the quarterback. Agree. Eli, I don't think anyone's going to argue he's a bottom five quarterback right now, especially without. I mean, you can make a case. All right, I'll take Eli over Josh Rosen. I disagree. 
Oh, really? Right now? Projecting forward? No, one year. One, one year, year. One, one year, year. This year. Projecting for next year. Yeah. I think I would take Josh Rosen. Wow. So is Eli your worst quarterback? Depending on how the Miami situation goes on who their quarterback mm, ends up good being. Good call there. So, and the yeah. word as we're taping on Wednesday, Teddy Bridgewater now giving Miami a good look. I'm yeah. going to need that Teddy Bridgewater with one of our bets that we have. Mm. I, you took it to me. I mean, you acting all coy. You bet not only me and RJ, but this is from several <laughs> Dream Preview podcasts back. Uh, again, Fedge, the dirtiest player in the game. Kids stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine running, jet flying, son of a gun. Yeah, that you took advantage of me and RJ. Now <laughs> we look back at it. You you bet RJ and me season win total for the Dolphins, not only for this upcoming season, seven, but the next three seasons. And now that I'm getting a chance, now that football's in the rearview mirror, and now basketball's, at least college, is starting to wind down a little bit as far as the regular season into the conference tournament. Looking at some of these power ratings, everyone's got Miami dead last in the NFL. There's no way their season win total is going to be seven. I mean, you bet both me and RJ and didn't didn't even bat an eye or anything. Just went ahead and took advantage. Let, of let me guys. ask. Let me ask you. What made you think that the Dolphins were suddenly going to become a 500 team over the next three years? Did I, you figure that Tannehill would suddenly become a Pro Bowl um, quarterback? That the organization would suddenly make some really clever roster moves to improve the team? I'm just curious. Well, I mean, they won seven last year, right? Yeah, because of the... Uh, I know, they were fortunate. Because Gronk can't tackle. They had a 10-win season a couple years ago, correct? Yeah. Made the playoffs. Went before Tannehill's injury, right. When, yeah. And he had his best year ever, and he's never really fully recovered. All right. And now it's not just that his was leg, my but thought his shoulders process. hurt. Yeah. I, 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 well, I played Miami over six wins last year. It was one of my biggest season win bets. I remember that. But a big part of that was that I expected that Tannehill would be quite... A bit improved, and he really was not. So, Brad, just to give you an idea of how much the Miami Dolphins overachieved the past few years under Adam Gase, the Dolphins went twenty and six in one score games under Adam Gase, three and nineteen in all others. Eight of those losses came by twenty or more points. All right, since we're kind of you know we just wrapped up the Jets, is that under the luck factor as far as Adam Gase, or do you think you know? X's and O's wise, he you know he overachieved when it came to, to Miami. I'm not too sure about Adam Gase right now. I think the jury's still out on him. Fez, you're a big Adam Gase guy. I, I am. I think it is some good X's and O's. But you know what? When you're you have a really really bad team, even with good X's and O's, when the Buffalo Bills have a wide open guy in the end zone to win the game, <laughs> um, the quarterback should be able to get him the ball on that play. And when you um, have have to go what sixty yards on your final play probably the defense should be able to stop you. And, and getting back to it, so we're talking Eli Manning, bottom quarterbacks. You'd rather have Josh Rosen, and it depends on the Miami quarterback situation. A- anybody else do you think is better, or you, you really think Eli is one of the worst, off, if not the worst? Off the top of my head, I think projecting towards next year where you're adding uh, another year of um, the toll that his body has taken behind that terrible offensive line, I think a strong case could be made that he's the worst undeniably in the bottom five. Uh, I'm not going to disagree with you as far as bottom five. One more. 2019. I'm not talking next five years. I'm talking one year. Eli or Kyler Murray? That's a tough one. 
Mm. No, that's not tough. We're going we're gonna to take Eli. Yeah. What was tough, or maybe it wasn't that tough, is I had Blake Bortles ranked below Eli as a starting quarterback. Well, guess what? Blake Bortles might be playing for, I don't know, the um, Orlando the Orlando Apollos there you next go. year. Yes. All right. Again, so obviously we upgrade the Jets. And it's just not on the offensive side of the ball. Real quick, C.J. Mosley, one of the key linebackers, how does he integrate into the Jets? Huge get for the Jets. They're going to put him next to Avery Wilson in their new 4-3 defense under new defensive coordinator, Greg Williams. He's the play, he was the play caller of the Baltimore Ravens defense. So as far as leadership, just adding that to the Jets is going to be huge. Some things that they need to work on defensively for next year need to get an edge rusher. And they need at least two cornerbacks to add to that defense. And let's face it, the Jets, the book on the Jets was always they had no offense, and yet they had a much above average defense. And that all changed last year. They really struggled on defense where they were not just a below average, but significantly below average defense as well last year. A lot of problems for the Jets last year. Again, dream preview. This is Brad Powers filling in for R.J. Bell. Out sick. Steve Fezzik's in the house. The hitman from New Jersey's in. We just mentioned his name. Let's move along here. The guy that at least right now the odds say is going to be the overwhelming choice to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. Right now, minus 400 at most spots. Got to bet $4 to win a dollar. That's impossible. Just three weeks ago, he was pick him whether he'd be selected in the top nine, Brad. How can that possibly Well, I mean, be? He, well, he, he really ran a... I think he really ran uh, a really blazing fast 40, right? No. All he's been doing is like eating cheeseburgers and bulking up okay. so he can weigh over 200 pounds. Okay. So he also, you know, he measured really, you know, really tall, much better than expected, right? Well, it's reported that he was five foot ten inches and one quarter, which would still make him the shortest starting quarterback or, or quarterback period in the NFL. And there's some disputes about whether that was an accurate measurement at the combine and he was supposed to be remeasured and yet somehow he wasn't on his pro day he we're talking uh kyler murray pronoun pronouns pal and, and Mackie came up with this Mackie research stats and info if we look at starting quarterbacks average height 29 of the quarterbacks are six foot two and higher and we have what now three guys that are under six foot two drew Brees, russell wilson and now possibly Kyler Murray. And only one guy below six foot, Russell Wilson, who's 5'10 and 5'8s. And built more like a tank. I mean, Russell Wilson has always been like, I mean, much bigger as far as girth in the midsection and not by, you know, pot belly, beer belly. I'm just, you know, just a lot more broader shoulders than, than Kyler Murray. And he is tremendous in terms of how savvy he, he is in terms of when he's rolling out, when to continue to roll out, when to cut back against the grain, something that I haven't been, I frankly don't see from any other quarterback in the league right now. And if Russell Wilson had never existed, if he was playing for the Toronto Blue Jays right now or what any team in MLB, there's no way Kyler Murray at five foot ten, even if he is five ten, would get be be in this discussion to go top ten when there would be no other quarterback in the league that was below six foot. And let's put on the conspiracy caps on right now. Mackie, I'm going to get you in on this one. And again, RJ, the X-Files music's on his iPod. So for I apologize, guys, for you listening. It's a little bit more dry. All the music beds, for the most part, are on RJ's iPod, who's not here. Conspiracy about uh, Kyler Murray's height. So Kyler Murray measures 5'10 when it comes to uh, the Combine. 
decides not to get measured again come pro day. Hmm. And didn't want, I mean, if you're 5'10, I mean, wouldn't you want that second measurement to lift all that doubt? Absolutely. Hmm. Let the conspiracy theories rise. I mean, as a prospect, I'm not going to dog Kyler Murray that much. In today's day and age, would I draft him in the first round? Probably. Would I have done it 10 years ago? No. But would I draft him number one overall? I just wouldn't. I think, and I wasn't a big Baker Mayfield fan, but I would rather have Baker Mayfield, at least coming out of college, than Kyler Murray. And it's, to me, you can talk about size, and size does matter. Uh, my One of my biggest gripes is the inexperience. We've only seen, what, 16, 17 starts out of Kyler Murray. He started four or five games his uh, freshman season at Texas A&M. Guys like Russell Wilson, who's smaller, four-year starter at NC State in Wisconsin. Uh, Baker Mayfield was a three-and-a-half-year starter at Texas Tech and Oklahoma. Saw a lot more uh, on him. And, and not only with Kyler Murray limited experience, but also think about the offseason. Instead of working out with your wide receivers and getting reps on seven sevens, what's he doing in spring and summer? At least part time, you know, and full time in some spots, playing baseball, different sports. So, not only historically small compared to your average NFL quarterback, but also historically inexperienced. If you look at the top ten quarterbacks this century, every single one of them had at least two years of starting experience in college, and on average, like three years of starting experience. So. Historically small, historically inexperienced, to me, not necessarily uh, deserves the number one pick. And I don't think we're talking number one pick, Kyler Murray, if the team at number one isn't the Arizona Cardinals, who by all accounts have fallen in love. Although, as we're taping this on Wednesday, the day of Kyler Murray's pro day, who wasn't there at the pro day? Cliff Kingsbury wasn't there. The owner for the Arizona Cardinals wasn't there. GM wasn't there. All noticeably absent today, although the expectation is they're going to get a private workout next so, week. So we've got two X's here. We've got the height, whether it's 5'10 or 5'9, still clearly a red flag issue. We have experience that's undeniable. We really have two more, right, when we, we take a look at dedication. Is Kyler Murray going to be one of those guys that's first into the room in terms of studying the craft, and is he going to be able to lead the team? And so far, some major concerns about how he performed when he was interviewing, correct? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, at least the word that's coming out, there's been, I would say, contrasting reports. You know, one guy, I think it was Charlie Castley, said interviewed uh, was horrible, one of the worst he's seen. Other guys have come out in defense of Kyler Murray said, hey, he interviewed just fine, including guys that are close to Arizona thought he interviewed fine there. Lincoln Riley, of course, came to the aid, uh, the former uh, coach of Kyler Murray at Oklahoma there. So I think there's at least some question marks. I, I mean, it's it's a little bit of a red flag, no, no doubt about it. And then the fourth factor, how good a fit is he going to be with Arizona? We've seen good rookie quarterbacks get ruined in the wrong situations, Tim Couch and, and the like. And so is Arizona the sort of team that an unproven, inexperienced quarterback that is, frankly, we have concerns about how fragile he might be because of his size. Is that a good fit to be playing for Arizona right now? Uh, I mean, they need a quarterback can run for his life considering the offensive line <laughs> situation. So I can think of worse fits, uh, you know, getting a, a college. And, you know, there's something we haven't even talked about. Historically, you know, as historically as an outlier as Kyler Murray is, the head coach for Arizona, by all expectations, who's going to take Kyler Murray number one, Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> I mean, have we ever seen this in the NFL? 
a guy that was fired. He, he didn't upgrade and say, hey, I'm done with Texas Tech. I've had a lot of success here. I'm moving on to the NFL. No, was fired from Texas Tech, a Texas Tech program that on average in the Mike Leach era and, and even a couple years under Tommy Tuberville averaged eight wins or, or a little bit more a season. Here's what Cliff Kingsbury does, has a losing record overall uh, in six seasons there. And in Big 12 play, throw out Kansas. And why do we throw out Kansas? Because in the last decade, Kansas has had the worst decade of any Power 5 team in history. Take any decade. Rutgers? Yeah, worse than Rutgers. Worse than Rutgers. Worse than than your Northwestern Wildcats in the, what, late 70s and 80s? Had that the despicable run, Denny Green. Straight. <laughs> yeah, 34, 35 straight, even worse. I was worse. there in 1982 when we broke the streak and we beat Northern Illinois, I believe, and we actually Did tore, you tear down the goalpost? We tore down the goalpost and we carried them, and it's a good mile. Were you part of that? Yeah, I, I helped carry oh the goalpost God. to the Lake Michigan. The legend of this guy. The we, legend. We put the goalpost in Lake Michigan. We need to find a recording. Of yeah, that well, game. we need to find a lot of recording. So, in on Fez. evidently, this guy. Now, I did see this in person. And we do have tape of this. He can bench press two hundred pounds. I know that my pocketbook knows that because I lost five hundred bucks. But apparently, this guy can dunk a volleyball, or at least did. We don't have tape. We just gotta go by his word. What was also what uh, could squat? How much? Well, I just would work out with two twenty five. The two forty five. Right. Well, that's the key to being able to jump. If you if you don't have the inherent genes that you can jump by, you can really help your vertical lift by just squatting. How tall and, are you, Fez? Six foot. And, and am I missing something, Mackie? What was the other thing from maybe last week? I, you know, I never maxed on, on squatting. I never did more than 225. I just would work out with it. And, and now you're part of tearing down goalposts and throwing them into Lake Michigan. But well, no there tape. Was like 80 guys carrying the goalposts. Oh, I know. Wow. I did not expect that. I mean, I, I, I feel like almost privileged. I got something that RJ couldn't pull out. We've been doing these podcasts for now, what, two, three years here, and I pulled some, another thing out of you. We need to have a pod. I mean, that drunk podcast has got to happen because we're learning more and more. I mean, he's fine. He's just up on, you know, all up on uh, Mountain Dew right now, and we're finding more and more about you each week, Fez. I'm, I'm disappointed. I, I have the Mountain Dew that's just like the regular sugar and not the uh, pure cane sugar from Mexico, and that really is the good stuff. All right, we got off track here. Northwestern we were talking about, which historically poor until Fez tore down the goalposts when they beat Michigan. Uh, we're talking Cliff Kingsbury. Northern for- Illinois. Oh, okay. Northern Illinois? Was it was, Michigan? I think it was, it was a max school. Oh, well, that figures. Uh, we're talking Cliff Kingsbury, throughout Kansas, historically poor team. Cliff Kingsbury in Big 12 plays 13 and 35. To me, that does, I mean... That doesn't scream NFL coach. That that may be NFL quarterbacks coach, not head coach. So an historically at least bad resume, other than being friends, maybe borderline had dinner one time, maybe walked past Sean McVay. Played <laughs> poker on Friday night a few times. Maybe a little maybe. bit. Oh, he also coached Patrick Mahomes, so that's a positive there. All, you know, was the coach that also kicked out Baker Mayfield from the program. But, you know, I could understand when you have Patrick Mahomes in the waiting. So I don't think it's a good spot for Arizona. Again, Kyler Murray pro day was today. Kyler Murray hasn't impacted the odds, still minus 400, number one overall pick. Before we transition over to basketball here, Let's first take our one and only commercial break. All right, Vivid Seats. You know what? I actually use Vivid Seats. I uh, 
took the chance the final week of the regular season when it came to uh, college football. Never been to the L.A. Coliseum. My Fighting Irish were 11-0, trying to cap off a 12-0 season. I, I got vivid seats and used it, got some really good tickets for that Notre Dame-USC matchup. So, guys, we all love a night out like I had with my girlfriend at the time, Notre Dame-USC game, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there in the crowd to cheer on our favorite team. With Vivid Seats, you can get in on the madness in March and ensure you are watching your team's journey to the Final Four. Not you, Fez. Northwestern's not going to make it. Well, you got had a great view of the uh, backdoor score by uh, USC to cost your Irish the cover there, right? Yeah, I think I'm trying to think who I was on that game. The public haystack and everyone was on Notre Dame. Remember that line moved like three points. Anyways, Vivid Seats is your top source for getting tickets of all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. I love technology because I, I definitely love seeing views of exactly where I'm going to be seated in the stadium. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive 10% off your first ticket order to save even more money. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to the App Store or the Google Play Store and download the Vivid Seats mobile app. First-time customers can use promo code RJB. Makes sense. RJB? Oh, RJ Bell. So it's RJB. And if you use that promo code, you get 10% off your first Vivid Seats order. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more. Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and enter promo code RJB for 10% off your first order on Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. Home of the UFC here when it comes to fights. But this Saturday night, believe it or not, might be the biggest pay-per-view fight of the year. Listen up. Two of the best, that's right, the best, pound-for-pound fighters. Pound-for-pound fighters, what do you think? Best pound-for-pound fighter historically, Fez. (laughs) (laughs) A better question would be name five UFC fighters. I'm not talking UFC, boxers, anybody. I love the pound-for-pound. I mean, I guess everyone likes Sugar Ray Leonard. There you go, Sugar Ray Leonard. But actually, coming up this weekend, two of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world put their perfect records on the line. Errol the Truth, Spence Jr., takes on Mikey Garcia for the World Welterweight Championship live from AT&T Stadium right there in Arlington. Risk it all. A perfect record will be broken. These two guys, I guess two consensus top pound-for-pound fighters, you got a welterweight world champion in Errol Spence and a four-division, four-different-division world champion, Mikey Garcia. In fact, memory serves correct following this one on social media. Uh, Garcia is actually moving up in weight, two weight classes to face Spence in this fight. He, he, called, uh, he called Spence out on social media, which a lot of people do. Uh, especially if I have losing picks. A lot of you call me out when I do that on social media. It's the way to do it. It shocked even the most dedicated fans. Uh, you look at the matchup, it's going to take place again. You know, I love T-Mobile to watch the UFC fights, but how about this site? 
AT&T Stadium. They're going to try to break a record here. This is Spence's second consecutive fight in Dallas. He grew up a Cowboys fan, fought in Frisco last June, sold out the Star, one of the arenas there. That's the Cowboys practice facility, Fez. I didn't know if you knew that. I did not. The hitman did. That's why he's here. (laughs) Anyway, Spence won the IBF Welterweight World Championship in 2017 when he fought and beat Kel Brook in Brook's backyard of Sheffield, England. Mikey Garcia's opponent looking to hold a world title in five. Five? Are you kidding me? Five different weight classes if he wins on March the 16th again. Spence Jr. versus Garcia, Saturday, March 16th, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, live on pay-per-view order now. Ah, this one. Our old friends at True Car. 60 seconds. That's exactly how long this commercial lasts. You know what else you can do in about a minute? Well, one thing you can do in a minute is get an offer for your car with True Car. That's right. In the amount of time it takes to floss your teeth, pet your dog, do a few sit-ups, or just listen to my voice, you can get a true cash offer. Best of all, you can do it from your smartphone or home. Just go to True Car and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Answer a few questions and you'll get an accurate true cash offer from a local True Car certified dealer. It's that easy. After that... You can bring your car in, and they'll check it out with you together. You can ask questions and get the answers you need so there's no surprises. Then you simply leave your check or trade in your car for a new ride. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. This is R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Wow, what a podcast. Are you kidding me? We got to learn something else new about Steve Fezzik. How many dozens upon dozens, if not hundreds of hours at this point, we've had Fez on the podcast, and yet today we find out that Fezzik was part of tearing down the goalpost at Northwestern when they ended their losing streak, and he went ahead. He's part of 80, 90 guys there, and they went ahead and threw the goalpost in Lake Michigan. Unbelievable podcast. Guys, before we wrap this up here, let's talk some Bet DSI here. If you're looking for a place to bet March Madness and enter a $1 million, $1 million bracket contest with guaranteed prizes, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to BetDSI.com to get all of your March Madness action in just one spot. Use BetDSI's live betting platform where you can watch all the madness via streaming, and even bet all the madness games throughout the entire game until the final whistle. If you're looking to add some excitement to the tournament games, make BetDSI.com your tournament betting partner. And here's what you guys can do. You can get one free million-dollar contest entry just for signing up. Here's what you got to do. Use the promo code RJ, as in RJ Bell, RJ Madness, that promo code again, RJ Madness. Why should you be using BetDSI? Guys, look, if we can give you one piece of advice as far as how you guys can win more at this thing we call sports gambling, it's having an extra out. And if you already have a couple of outs, why not get another out for you? Shop around, get those extra lines. 
BetDSI has been paying winners for 20 years. It's top rated on betting review sites. You can use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash this week, particularly conference tournaments going on. Next week, of course, the NCAA tournament has a user-friendly interface, BetDSI, and a mobile site. BetDSI, fastest payouts in the industry. Simply play, win, and get paid. Betting options, everything, whether March Madness, NFL, NBA, NHL, UFC, all the other major sports. I mean, even if you do some politics, reality TV, virtually everything. You can try live betting at BetDSI where you can bet on games from start to finish every play and every minute. New members get, again, a 100% bonus match using the promo code RJMADNESS. Again, promo code RJMADNESS. That's more than double your money to start winning today. Guys, once again, go to BetDSI.com, use that promo code RJMADNESS, and get this limited time 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash betting. The madness this March and you can get that one free million-dollar contest entry for just signing up. Plus, 100% bonus extra betting money on your first deposit up to $1,000. It's only a game until you bet it at BetDSI. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. All right, back to it here, transitioning over from Football to the NBA, Fez, where just recently we had an historic upset over the weekend. Golden State is a 16.5-point favorite over the Phoenix Suns. Golden State's off a big-time performance. They blow out the second-best team as far as record goes in the West. Denver, a couple nights prior, Golden State, forget covering the spread, forget not failing to cover the spread, They lose outright to the Phoenix Suns, one of the biggest upsets we've seen in the NBA in the last 25 years. In fact, we've only seen five teams of all the games that have been played in the NBA season in the last 25 years. We've only seen five teams, 16-plus point underdogs, win outright, and Golden State goes down to the Suns. Fez, obviously motivation's an issue here. What is going on, though? Golden State, this just isn't a one-game performance here. This is a team that after the All-Star break, you are losing some big-time money if you've been back in the, the Warriors on a night-in and night-out basis. What's going on with these guys? Yeah, so the numbers say it all. They're 26th the Warriors, 26-39-1 against the spread. So if you would just bet against them each and every night, you'd be cashing 60% of your tickets. And it kind of makes sense because they've been winning because they're good enough to win. But they're doing just enough to get by. It's kind of like back when you were in high school and you were in that economics class and you didn't, you could go ahead and thrive and get all the questions, right? Or you could do just the minimum to get by because the class was so easy. So as it turns out, most of the times when Golden State plays the Memphises or the Phoenix of the world, just showing up and tagging the building is sufficient to win by six points and win and not cover, that's what they've been doing. And Phoenix finally caught them. Hey, this occurs once every, on average, five years that a 16-pointer greater favorite loses outright. And it really speaks to motivation. Golden State believes they can just coast through, do barely enough to get the number one seed. And frankly, I don't even think they'd be that worried if they became the number two seed in the West. This is a team you cannot trust. And if you're going to back them, you only want to selectively play them. For instance, when they play Denver at home, the team that's number two in the West and they're number one, they got up for that select game. 
So pricing-wise in the market, obviously this last four-year run or so of the Warriors, they've been historically priced. Uh, and the first time we've ever seen this, not those Michael Jordan Bulls teams that, you know, in the futures market was basically even. Yeah, If you bet the Chicago Bulls in those seasons to win the championship, basically even money, with this Warriors last run, you've had to lay $2, $2.50 to win a dollar for them to win the future. How is this Warriors team being priced right now in the marketplace? And do you think it's warranted, Fez? Is this Warriors team as good as what we've seen the last three, four years from them? No, and yet they're being priced like they are the greatest Warriors team we've seen. Think about this, because when the Warriors got really good, we were commenting, oh, wow, the Warriors are now favored against the field. And then it got to almost a point of ridiculous level where like, the Warriors with Durant are minus 200. You have to lay $2 to make a dollar against the field. Well, this year they're not nearly as good. They don't have nearly the depth as what they've had the last couple of years. And yet now they're not minus 200. They're minus 250. And the betting marketplace hasn't blinked, Brad. They don't care that the Warriors are losing to Phoenix. They don't care that the Warriors go on an East Coast road trip and come home with a losing record on it. The Warriors are still minus 250. There's been no adjustment on the odds. And I got to tell you, last time I checked, it's March Madness time. Now March, the month after, is April. That's when the playoffs start. Yeah. I'm getting a little concerned. I think the Warriors are waiting till the playoffs to throw the switch. We'll see if they can throw it. Is there, you know, talking actionable advice, is there a team out there, maybe not offering a value, Fez, but is there, who's your team that, that, that is most likely to, to maybe put a chink in the Golden State's, arm, uh, Golden State's armor here? Well, it would be Milwaukee. Uh, Milwaukee's my mm, highest. We're not, we'll get to the East in a second. Mm, it's funny you say, say Milwaukee. Uh, let's talk West. We'll get to the East here. Yeah, in the West, even though Denver has the best record, I believe a lot of that is because they get that hyped-up home court advantage in the altitude. It is Houston that is my number 2 team in the West, and it is Houston that really should have beaten Golden State last year. They And I firmly believe they would have beaten them if Chris Paul had not been injured. So um, Houston's got Capella, they got Paul, they got Harden, they're big three back, they're playing well, and they could give Golden State some serious problems. All right, mentioning the East, we had an update, RJ, myself, and you, Fez. We, we did something we hadn't done before. It was a draft. And, you know, we decided whether or not we wanted to pick first, you know, who was willing to lay minus 110 or, or in my case, more. You know, the stack ranking, who would we take to win the Eastern Conference? You were willing to lay what? I laid minus a dollar fifteen to take the first pick, and you took. I took the deer. I took Milwaukee. Fear the deer, and based on their historically good regular season point differential, they're outscoring opponents by more than nine points per game. Now, you did bring up the point that this handicap is eerily similar to my ill-fated Fred Van Fleet and Toronto bets that I had made last year because Toronto had had such a nice year. But Milwaukee's really been the best team in the NBA all year long. I went with Milwaukee. Milwaukee. And their odds right now, as far as the East? Uh, they are plus 140. And they're, they're a clear-cut favorite. Clear-cut favorite. And when we were doing this, the reason we all did the draft is at the time, something historic, something we, you've never seen before, we had four teams. The Bucks, the Celtics, the 76ers, and the Raptors were all right around what? Plus 225 to win the East? Yeah, all four of them had equal odds. That dastardly bookie, if you bet all four, Brad... Well, you lose, you lose $75 by betting on all four at plus 225. Oh, and by the way, should Indiana win the East, you, you lose re- everything. You lose everything. 
But that, that was the idea behind the draft. So you took Milwaukee. Kudos to you. You're currently looking like you got some value there. You laid a little bit of juice. So then it's between me and RJ. Who's going to get the second pick? We both wanted the second pick really bad. We got up to minus 125. I took it. But, you know, RJ wanted one team and I wanted the other. RJ ended up taking the Raptors. Uh, with the third pick, didn't have to lay any juice. How are the Raptors doing in RJ's pick? Raptors are playing very well, looking to be coasting to the number two seed in the East. They're currently at two to one odds to win the East. All right, but I unfortunately laid the lumber. I laid minus one twenty five. No, that wasn't unfortunate. That was fine for you to lay the lumber. The lumber <laughs> minus one twenty five. Yeah. The mistake you made is the team you selected. Well, I took the Celtics. And, and where are the Celtics at now? Well, the Celtics have, I'm not going to lie to you, there's been some setbacks with the Celtics chemistry and Kyrie Irving and how he's getting along. And the Celtics odds are currently at plus 275, almost 3-1 to one on the Celtics. But correct me if I'm wrong, plus 275, that, that was not the bottom. It was last week or two was the bottom. That, it it w- actually was worse. It was. So the Celtics absolutely, they lost to the Lakers. They had a really, really bad run. And then they all got onto a plane ride to the West Coast. And apparently they went ahead and had some good discussions. Kyrie spoke to the head coach spoke to Steven, spoke to the players, and they came out playing very well. They beat Golden State, and they won their first three games on the West Coast road trip before finally losing to the Clippers. And so the feeling is that perhaps we are seeing a, bottom, a bottoming of the Celtics, and they're going to start rising back up. When it comes to, I'm not going to lie, when it comes to the NBA, I mean, if you stack ranking what I do best when it comes to handicapping, college football, college basketball, NFL, and then the NBA is even a major gap there. So in this particular bet, even though you know I'm feeling a little bit better than what I did a week ago with the Celtics, this is the position that I'm in. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. Not a good position, like minus 125. And I'm what seed am I going to get? The fifth seed? I'm going to have to play every single series on the road, right? No seed, but nothing means nothing. Ugh, I'll tell you when it comes. Seeding to- means nothing. <laughs> Well, definitely not the cream of the crop. Ooh, yeah. Cream of the crop. Cream always rises to the top. All right. Anything else in the NBA we should? Yeah, Philadelphia update. They're currently the number four pick at four to one. And a big part of that, of course, is Embiid's health. He is back now. But uh, the concern is going through uh, such a difficult playoff run. Can Embiid stay healthy for the 76ers if he can't? Uh, Philadelphia, of, of all these teams, Philadelphia needs him so badly. I guess the same as Milwaukee needs Giannis. Fair enough. At least I didn't take the Sixers. I would make the case that the Sixers have the best starting five in the East, but it's their bench and it's their coaching, which is what's going to cost them. Yeah, that starting five is really looking tremendous. And I tell you what, when you got Embiid down low mm. and you can kick it out to Redick and you got Tobias Harris and it's just um, all of a sudden some of the uh, dis- deficiencies that Simmons has, they fade away when you've got all these other playmakers and he really can just distribute the ball and go to the rack. Any other topics? NBA? Am I missing something? We can talk Lakers real quickly. How, yeah. The, the, just the, I, I think we should talk about the Lakers' futures and how they have free-fallen – just at the All-Star break, the Lakers, will they win a championship this year or in the next three years? The Lakers were 2-1. to one. Now they're at 4-1. to one. And I got to tell you, Brad, 
very rarely could anything happen that I would say that a team's futures could get so downgraded in a matter of a couple of weeks. But I think it's absolutely justified. What path right now does LeBron and company have with Ingram with the blood clots on top yeah. of it? Uh, now no one's going to want to trade for Ingram. Um, ball's injured. He's out the rest of the year. And so if they're not able to get Anthony Davis, I can't imagine LeBron another year older, maybe not necessarily the best player in the NBA anymore, maybe not even one of the top five players in the NBA, maybe only like number six next year. How are the Lakers going to win a championship? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because we really haven't gotten into this too much on Straight Out of Vegas this week. Uh, The news since we last taped the podcast, Brandon Ingram, you mentioned it. I'm not sure he can be offered up as good trade bait now with, with an issue. And again, we're not, you know, for certain when it comes to, if the, you know, this is going to be a reoccurring thing, but it's certainly a medical issue that certainly didn't, when it comes to trade value, it didn't improve his chances of being, you know, a prospect that you can maybe get some value for. Lonzo Ball, I mean, now two year sample size has pretty much missed as many games as he's played. On top of that, you got to deal with LeVar. I'm not sure Lonzo's great trade bait. So, uh, all this talk, at least, you know, what, five weeks ago or so, when it came to the All Star break, was hey, I mean, the Lakers can trade all their young assets, whether it be, you know, Ingram or Ball, any, any combination of guys to get Anthony Davis. Now, at this point, I, I mean, we gave the Pelicans, kind of, we gave them a little bit of grief there for not making that trade with so many players. I don't think the Pelicans should do that trade now if it's a bunch of those guys. A lot of those guys, there's way more question marks than answers. Yeah, absolutely. And let's face it, the they won 35 games the Lakers did last year with those guys. But are they going to win 35 this year? It's going to be close. It's going to be close, and they are not um, getting any better seemingly other than Ball. And certainly, they're all playing worse defense. But you know what? If we can still find an opportunity to wager on a Laker game, we could still make money. And as it turns out, I'm going to have a best bet on a Laker game here. How could I forget a best bet from the one and only, the only two-time Super Contest champ? Go Fez Go when it comes to the NBA. So the Lakers head to Toronto here, and Toronto is laying 10. We're taping this on Wednesday night. That's the current overnight line, and my best bet is on Toronto minus 10. The NBA is about situational spots, and I think we got one here. The Lakers know they're not going to make the playoffs, but they've been so publicly embarrassed as bad as they were playing it was inevitable they were finally going to show up for a game, and they showed up in Chicago. They won in Chicago. They got down 20, but they managed to play a good second half and win the game. Let's contrast that with Toronto, who got absolutely crushed by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Is this a typo? No, it's real. So now we, we're going to get Toronto maximum motivation. Now, normally when you get a team like Toronto that's playing a bottom feeder, you got to worry about how hard they're going to play if they're playing Phoenix or Memphis. Well, no, they're playing the Lakers, and they got the Laker uniforms on, so that's absolutely going to make Toronto bring that effort. And frankly, I don't even know how the Lakers are going to have any kind of motivation the rest of the year now that the dream is crushed, the players are in disarray, and they're at you know, two-thirds strength without Ingram and without Ball. I don't do this very often, Brad Powers. I'm going to lay double digits mm. in the NBA on Toronto minus the 10. That's Steve Fezzik going in Thursday night NBA action, the Raptors minus 10. By price if it moves because we're dealing with an over a lot? Minus 10 and a half. All right. 
on the Raptors, again, over the Lakers there. That's Steve Fezzik. Still, a couple best bets left, including one from Dave Esler coming up here in, in just a minute or two. Switching over from the NBA to college hoops, obviously, we mentioned at the top of the show, it's conference tournament week. You've been here a lot longer than me, Fez. True or false? Conference tournament week, uh, as far as among the professional betters, is much preferred as far as getting after value than the opening week of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just a matter of the volume game and the teams that are playing. Think about it. The odds makers know how good North Carolina is. The public might well bet on a North Carolina and the like, but pretty much as far as setting these numbers, very easy to set a Virginia-Duke line or a Virginia-Kansas line. But you go into the conference tourneys, and now you've got situational spots that are in play. You've got teams that, frankly, a whole lot of um, people don't follow all year long. And because of that, you've got some really, really good value. And you've got teams having to play three games and three nights, four games and four nights. So some really good spots that you can pick off if you're playing these conference tourneys. And speaking of good spots to make some money when it comes to the conference tournament, we're getting a little into the weeds here, but I got to tell you, I mean, the word is out when it comes to betting the under in the championship game of these conference tournaments. Let's let's get to the data first on how profitable it's been here. And this uh, came from Bet Labs since 2005. Coming into this season, if you bet the under in every conference tournament championship game, just bet the under every single one, whether it's the SEC or the SWAC or the MAC or the MEAC or the Horizon, every one of them since 2005 bet the under in the championship game. Fifty-eight percent against the spread, one eighty-eight and one thirty-six. That's not too shabby. And in fact, if you've been doing it for nine straight seasons, just blindly betting the under, you'd have shown a profit nine consecutive seasons. And let's not only the data, you know, is strong there as far as betting the under, but it makes sense too. I love when data and these trends, and this is more of a system than a specific team trend. But you know, I like when it makes sense. And to me, here here's the the thinking behind it. This is a unique time of year. The only time of the year where you're playing like three games in three days, some teams four games in four days. So obviously, you know, the legs are going to be a little tired. So, and obviously the reliance on the three-point shot has become pronounced not only in the NBA but college hoops. And when your legs are a little heavier, are you hitting that big, you know, that outside jumper as much? No. And on top of that, with your legs being tired, for these smaller conferences, it's the all-important game. It's win in the championship game, go to the NCAA tournament, or go home, or go to the NIT. And to me, that increases you know, the, the value of every single possession. Every, it magnifies the importance of every possession in the game. So we see teams, instead of you know, chucking up that three with 20 seconds left, uh, left on the shot clock, we see them take their time, actually run their offense. So I think betting the unders makes a lot of sense. Fez... You, it makes a lot of sense, but you're on top of this. Seems like the the word the word is out when it comes to betting these unders. We've seen some movement this year, particularly. Yeah, and it's remarkable what's happening is that oftentimes with these games, because the matchups don't get decided till late in the evening. So then, come seven a.m. Pacific time, typically the lines come up on the side and the total, and I'm seeing unprecedented movement. Not in terms of the amount of the movement. 
but in terms of the timing of the movement. So in the past, even a couple of years ago, Brad, what I would see in a game that ultimately did wind up going over, but like Northern Kentucky's playing Wright State. And so I'd see it open like 138. And then an hour later, it'd be 137. And then, oh, lunchtime, 136. And it might close 134 and a half. So money trickling in, you know, sharps on this. Nope, not, not like that anymore. Literally, bang, the number goes up at one place, one place only, and it's a feeding frenzy because there's enough sharps playing it, and they're basically playing it without – they know the number is going to um, be set based upon the Ken Palm ratings for both teams, and they're just going to play it. If the number's fair, they know that there's usually value in a conference tournament final, especially with the smaller schools, and you'll see this line, this total move – Three points in literally one minute after it goes up. So um, I'm afraid that this is one of those trends and situations that we're going to need to have a year or two where they actually lose before there's going to be value on it again because it's a feeding frenzy on the under right now. And right now, as we're taping this on Wednesday, doing a little research on this year, 5-5 five and five versus the closing number. So they split out the first 10 championship games. But if you'd have gotten to the early number... Closer to the opener, you'd be seven and three so far. Yeah, but, like a Monmouth game landed. Yes, right absolutely. Around, on one forty, I think you could have gotten under forty four at the. Yes, opener. you you could have. So, uh, just one one of the factors. I mean, look, maybe it's getting you know priced in. It's certainly getting priced into at this point. I'll say that from seeing it so far, I just be careful at this point betting the over. Just know that this is why these totals are dropping. If you're seeing an opening and a closing line, and why it's dropped four or five points, no, this is why a lot of those lines are dropping. One thing to be aware of, if you do have access to live wagering and you played under in a game, and then you see a situation where a team is down, say, 6 to 14 points with four minutes to play, oftentimes if a team was down like 12 to 14, you say, well, you know what, I might well escape the foul fest because um, when a team's down double digits, they're not going to foul. Guess what? They're going to foul because they know their season's about to end. So we've already seen a couple of these Games that should have gone under go over. I think the Radford game, for instance, where these teams are going to foul to the bitter end at the very end. So because of that, you can oftentimes fix an under that was winning the whole way by playing either a second half over or a live wager over. That's Steve Fezzik, one of the, the, Masters at in-game live wagering. Again, that's Steve Fezzik. One more I want to get to here, and I hear this all the time. Not that it's offering up any value, but it's really, when you look at the numbers historically, it's a non-factor. You hear this all the time. It's conference tournament week. It's tough to beat a team three times in one season. You hear this all the time. Boy, you got to take that team. They've already lost two. They're going to want to win this one. And boy, that team that's already won uh, two straight over this opponent, maybe they're thinking they're fat and happy and they're thinking they can cruise over this team. The reality is, it's not that tough to beat a team three times in one season. In fact, the last 10 years, 72% of the time, this is straight up, the team that beats the opponent twice already in the regular season and they're going for that third straight win over the opponent in the same season, 72% of the time, they beat that team three times in one season. ATS-wise, and uh, saw some stuff, at least heading into this season, exactly 235 and 235 the last four years against the number, 50%. So it's a non-factor. 
And, you know, it's not necessarily tough to beat a team three times in one season. Think about it. Is it tough for Duke to beat Georgia Tech three times in one season when they're going to be a 15, 20-point favorite in each game? No. And then the other reason, maybe the team specifically has a matchup advantage over the other team, Uh, you know, whether it's height, whether it's bench, uh, that the other team just can't overcome. So be careful. If you hear a handicapper out there saying, you know, in their write-up, it's tough to beat a team three times in one season. Know fully well that that's a 50% proposition the last four years, and historically 72% of the time uh, the, the, the opponent does end up beating the team three straight times. And this Thoughts one, on this? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me because what happens is that if Team A beats Team B, it's that second game of the year where Team B is should be hyper-focused, mm. be able to make the adjustments in that game. It's almost like if we're pretty equal tennis players, you beat me the first time we play, then we play a month later. That's my time to beat you. If you beat me again, you're just better or, this, or, or we just match up. I match up poorly back in my chess career. I know I could speak to this that if, um, if I would lose to someone – I would usually bring it strong and beat them the second game. But if they beat me two times in a row, usually it was just their style of play. They, in my case, they played very positional, and I was a tactics type of guy. And I, I can't beat you if you lock me into a situational um, strategic game. That's Steve Fezzik. And, guys, if you need more conference tournament betting info, me, A.J. Hoffman, Sleepy J., we went about, what, an hour and a half, almost two hours. We broke down all the major conferences, a few others, Went through each and every conference tournament, gave us the teams we were looking to play on, teams we were looking to fade, and actually our picks to win the conference tournament. Check that out in your podcast players. That's the college basketball dream preview. And speaking of the dream preview, uh, again, college basketball edition, this dream preview edition, again, is going to tape on Monday night and released next Tuesday. We'll cover all the first-round matchups in the NCAA tournament, but... If you're looking, if you're already coming to Vegas, and I know lots of you are, it's one of the busiest weekends, extended weekends of the entire season when it comes to Vegas, the Dream Preview is going to be taping live at the Hard Rock. Two nights this upcoming week, Thursday and Friday, uh, next week when it comes to the NCAA Tournament at 10 p.m. Eastern Pacific, and we'll be recapping what we saw in the first-round matchups for those particular days, Thursday and Friday, and recapping those games and looking forward and giving us, uh, giving you guys your selections when it comes to the weekend games. Again, the Dream Preview, live editions. First time we've ever done this. Are you nervous about this, Fez? No, because you're the star of the show, you and oh, AJ, man. and I'm just, I'm just there to, um, you know. You're there to provide. sell tickets. You're like, I mean, the headliner, the showstopper, the main event, Mr. WrestleMania. As long as I stay away from the blackjack tables, I should be able to stay for the duration. That's Ooh. another story. And yeah, no bla- we might no be, blackjack at the Hard Rock. We might have a story to tell. If Fezzik isn't there, we'll tell you why <laughs> in an upcoming Dream Preview. Fez might, hopefully they're not checking IDs on you, Fez. But anyways, the Dream Preview Live Edition, keep in mind, uh, for all the ticket info, you can go to at RJ in Vegas for that. I'll be there. Fezzik should be there. We'll see if they check him at the door. RJ, of course, will be there. Uh, AJ Hoffman's flying in from Houston. Steve Cofield will be there. So an all-star cast at the Hard Rock. The tickets will be uh, on sale. And again, check out RJ on Ve- RJ in Vegas on Twitter for all the ticket info. Note that there are VIP tickets. And if you sit in that area, we're going to be passed around a portable microphone. So if you got any questions 
or want any selections on specific games, you can ask any one of us if you get those VIP tickets. Uh, what we're going to do, we'll record it. But if you want the entire podcast, the only and the only way you're going to get it is if you actually come to the event because we're going to take out uh, some of it. Uh, but, again, if you can't make it to Vegas, we will be recording. But, no, if you want the whole experience, show up. Hard Rock. And, again, at RJ in Vegas for all the ticket info. Uh, speaking of college basketball, man, Dave Essler has been killing it with picks here. A lot of free pick winners if you've been listening to the College Basketball Dream Preview Edition. I think we're on like a 7 or 8 no run when it comes to best bets. Sleepy, AJ, Dave, myself have been really been on fire here. And looking towards to tomorrow, SEC tournament action, Dave Essler has a best bet in an SEC game. Let's give it a listen. Thursday night SEC tournament, Mississippi over Alabama. Projected line, Mississippi minus 2.5. First thing I look at when I take a team to cover a short spread, they're free throw shooting. So many times these games come down to the following situation, and here the Rebels shoot almost 79% from the strike. Box one, check. The motivation, clearly the Rebels remember a 21-point loss in Tuscaloosa. Box two, check. The health, Alabama might be without Dazen Ingram and or Giddens. If nothing else, that shortens the bench against a team that will run with Alabama. Box three, check. On paper, Alabama's defense does not create turnovers. 12th in the SEC. Their offense does turn the ball over almost 20% of their possessions. Box four, check. If I have all four boxes checked, that's good enough for me. Ole Miss is going to knock Roll Tide out first round. Speaking of listening to the college basketball dream preview, I'm just putting this out there. I'm wondering if Dave listens to it because on the most recent podcast, I gave out this very play, Mississippi State or Mississippi against Alabama. I was thinking it was going to be three. Right now, the overnight line is minus two and a half. So Dave gets full agreement from me on this game. Mississippi tomorrow, Thursday action, SEC tournament. As we're taping this, take Mississippi over Alabama, and I agree with most of what Dave said there. I mean, it's just a dead nut Alabama team that's been on the bubble for the last couple of weeks, and if you can't get up for a home game against your rival LSU or your arch rival Auburn, how are you going to get up for this one against an Ole Miss team that's been one of the surprises in college basketball this year? So full agreement on Dave. Uh, I hope he wins it because it's my best bet on the other college basketball dream podcast. Uh, before we get out of here, we're going to circle back. We started off the podcast talking football, but this has become a weekly tradition here. It's in Fez's contract, I think. We need to be talking American. What are the AAF? What is the what's American Alliance, Alliance, Alliance of American Football? Alliance of American Football. AAF action. What is you know? We've been talking. I mean, points haven't been a plenty when it comes to the AAF. Fez, we've been talking about this for weeks. For those of you that don't follow it regularly, what's happened here since our last podcast when it comes to the AAF? We have had a complete reversal in scoring. Bottom line is through week four, it was a scoring challenge league. The average amount of scoring was right around 37.5 points, and we had seen the unders go 12-4, and 3-1 and one under each and every week. Every week there's four games. 
And week five, a total reversal. We saw four overs week five. And look at these scores, 43 points, 54, 45, and 54. So the scoring exploded, average scoring 49 points. Let's put this in contrast. NFL average, 46 and a half last year. So the year to date in the AAF had been 37 and a half, and now we saw 49 points. And I got to tell you, I don't have the statistics on this, but just the eye test sure seemed like all of a sudden there were more penalties being called on the defense. Mm. And I didn't see any holding calls being made on the offense. One wonders if maybe the league realizes that this, the popularity of the league is not what was hoped for. They had really nice ratings week one, but no one's going to the games to watch. There's empty stands everywhere, and there's so few highlights with them only scoring mm, 37 point points. It's not on Center or anything else, and I think that I mentioned that's a real problem for the league, and let's face it, here's a bottom line issue with the league and why you know it's not popular. We're taping Wednesday. Every Wednesday so far this year, there have been lines up for me to wager on in the AAF. The Mirage has led the charge, low limits, but they put it up first. They only took $300 last time when I tried to bet on Wednesday against their origination line. So I'm still happy that they did it and put it up for wagering. And then every other books would start to copy. <gasps> Big problem. It's Wednesday. No <laughs> lines up yet on the AAF. And what that's telling me is that the books aren't getting enough action to warrant putting it up or, or making it sort of priority. Scared? I think it's more a matter of like, they're, they're, I don't think they're getting enough action for it to, to, to make it worth their while. So we'll see. Hopefully the lines will come up tomorrow. But I can tell you this, I firmly believe that a big reason that the Arena Football League just absolutely cratered was when they just, Vegas and really all the books stopped putting lines up on their games and they'd be up at one or two offshores for tiny micro limits. If people aren't able to bet on it, mm. they lose all interest. I know I do because I'm a mercenary. The reason I'm watching this league is to make money on it. And I'm upset because I've gone with best bets against Orlando and the old ball coach twice now. And I'm Owen two fading Spurrier. So, um, yeah, the, uh, AAF, not, um, not, 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 um, Looking good in terms of popularity, but maybe this increased scoring will help. And I think going forward, I expect what type of totals are they going to deal? Probably they're going to look at the average year-to-date at right around 40, Brad. And and you said this best. You said at some point, just a couple weeks ago, at some point, the scoring is going to increase. It's so hard when you bring together new quarterback, new skill position players. Defenses are always ahead of offenses, even when you bring teams back who had been together the year before. The fact that these were brand new teams, I think it makes sense that it probably was going to take until the middle of the season. But we're there. We're halfway through. It's a 10-week season going into week six. I would only look over, and I think this past week is more representative of what we're going to see moving forward and even slightly um, superior weather going forward. Remember, this league started, mm. even though we were, we were in the south for most of the venues, we still had games in, in a snowstorm in Salt Lake and the like. So because of that, better weather, offenses know each other better. And if, if anything, the refs probably giving the offenses a little bit of a break in terms of the penalties, I'd look over going forward. Wore the cowboy boots, cowboy hat, walked around. A lot of action that week. A lot of action. So you're telling me not a lot of action right now on the AAF. Can't have action without lines. Mm. That's what I was looking forward to, all podcasts. Are you kidding me? Mm. So the, the quarterback play, eye test, does it look better, or was it more penalties that you were seeing? It, 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 the quarterback test does look better, and you're seeing certain teams like Memphis had horrific um, 
uh, quarterback play, and they finally benched um, Hackensack or whatever the heck his name is. Hackenberg. There he is. He can go play hacky sack because they, 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 they brought in a much better quarterback who's playing for Memphis now. All right, that's fast. Talking AAF. Zach, Zach Mettenberg. Mettenberger. Mettenberger. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, another thing, is there a need to put them up when it's conference tournament week and you're already getting so much action from people? I mean, there's some people coming in as far as squares, but the, the Sharps are already preoccupied in-game live wagering afternoon basketball, right? You know, it's a great point. So week six, conference attorneys. Week seven, uh, March Madness. Week eight, uh, second week of March Madness. Week nine, up oh, we got the championship game. Now this is the final four. Uh, the AAF ends week 10. I don't know where their window's going to come, that they're suddenly <laughs> going to become the uh, lead anytime soon. That's Steve Fezzik. You know, if RJ was here, I don't think we'd get to this topic. But because he, RJ Bell, sick this week, and it's getting a lot of play. I've heard a ton of shows talk about it. Uh, college football. That's my specialty. That's my baby doll. That's the love of my life. Sad life. Uh, season win totals came out. Are you kidding me? I, I'm not sure if I was, you know, running a sports book, I'd do it the week of conference tournaments. But this week, an offshore place bet online offered up some season win totals. College football, the earliest we've ever seen them. No surprise, Alabama, Clemson at the top with 11, followed by Georgia, Oklahoma, 10.5, Ohio State, 10. But I, it was good to see that. And, We've seen some big movers out there. They're talking a little bit of college football here. Boise State was wrong, 8.5 up to 10. SC, a lot of negativity there. Coach could be out the door. Uh, bet online opened them up 8.5 down to 7.5. But believe it or not, I have a best bet on one of these season win totals. Hasn't moved yet. I think it's flying under the radar. And since Dave Essler used Mississippi, which is also my best bet when it comes to hoops, we're going to do a best bet early college football season win total here. It can't be done by you, 10 guys like you, or 100 people like you. Nobody can defeat this man. Nobody even can come close to defeating this man. I know it, you know it, everybody knows it. The odds-on favorite in Las Vegas. That's what you paid me for. This is why RJ pays me college football season win totals in March. I'm going to go Utah over eight and a half wins. The Utes, to me, misleading season a year ago. Their quarterback was hurt half the season. So Utah was well on their way to, you know, maybe being the best team in the Pac 12. Their quarterback gets hurt, and Utah still makes it to the Pac 12 championship game. And really, if not for an interception return and some questionable officiating, probably should have beaten Washington. Without their starting quarterback, Utah last year won nine games, played half a season without their quarterback. And still won nine games. Again, we're going over eight and a half here. Utah will be favored in ten games this year. They're the best team in the Pac-12 South. They're the most experienced team as far as returning production coming back in the entire Pac-12. Two games all season at Washington, at SC, where they'll be an underdog. Other than that, they'll be favored in all their other games. Utah, the Utes, over eight and a half wins. Best bet from Brad Powers. Wrapping up college football. And actually, guys... Wrapping up a call, you know, the podcast here. Wasn't you know, this is the first time we've ever done it without RJ. We'll see. You know, hit us up on Twitter at Fezzik Sports, right? F E Z Z I K Sports. What's your Twitter handle? I mean, the, the new guy, the hitman's been quiet the last half here. Let, let's give you a follow on Twitter. Twitter handle is at T H 
another T-H-T-H-I-M-A-N pregame. All right. Say that again. I got to write this down. Twitter handle is T-H-T-H-A-M-A-N pregame. Okay. Like the man, only they man with a T-H in front. All right. Interesting. The hit man. The hit man. Let's go with the hit man. A lot of people can't pronounce that Twitter handle that I got. So I like it. All right. And you can follow me on Twitter at BradPower7. And, of course, RJ at RJ in Vegas. Again, you should be following him as far as information on the Dream Preview at live edition of the Dream Previews. Two of them next week at the Hard Rock. Again, as far as this podcast goes, we'll be taping it on Monday, covering you all sorts of ways when it comes to the first 32 games of the NCAA tournament. That'll get released on Tuesday. Again, make sure you're checking us out there. And that'll do it as far as the Dream Preview. I'm Brad Powers filling in for RJ Bell. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.